0: Hi, I'm Lorne Young, and I want to welcome you to Discovery Church's podcast. Discovery Church is a community of people who are seeking truth and finding purpose. We welcome you to jump over to our website online and check us out at mydiscoverychurch.ca. With that said, let's jump into this week's message. Merry Christmas, everybody! It is, it is a great season. It is great to be here today. Man, you're looking beautiful. You came in with like jingle bells on this morning. Um, and it's not even that cold outside. I woke up this morning thinking it was going to be like really icy and cold. And I walked outside. I'm like, oh, this is not too bad. So I went back inside, got Sophia. My, well, I didn't get Sophia. Shauna my wonderful wife, got Sophia ready to come with me this morning at 630 it's, it's incredible. She loves being at church. You know what? When when Shawn Lee and I decided that we, we, were, we felt that we were supposed to start a church, Discovery Church, we, we believed that we wanted a place that not only our kids want to be at but your kids want to be at and that, that your family wants to be at. Because if we if we just do church in a way that I like... Then we, we do it just for me, and we're not doing it for me. We do it to, to honor Jesus, but we also want to know that generations that come and that they will fall in love with Jesus as well. And it's so cool to be here early in the morning, and we see people, literally kids from like two all the way up to 92, taking part in, in setting up church. It's Christmas time. My favorite time. My name's Lauren, and I, I'm, I get the privilege of pastoring, uh, pa- being a pastor at Discovery Church. And uh my favorite time when I was a kid, at Christmas time, if you can remember it, was about mid-November, there was this thing that would show up in the mail called the Sears Christmas Wish Book. And if if you if you know what I'm talking about, you're like all of a sudden your memories are starting to go back. And if you have no idea why you're talking, you're like, Sears, what is that? Um, you're making me feel really old, and at this moment, I don't like you. Uh, no, but ex- easiest way to explain the Sears Christmas wish book to to someone that doesn't know what it is, it's like a paper version of Amazon. Okay? That's, it, is, it was about inch to two inches thick, and it was, it was the size of a phone book. And you're like, I don't know what a phone book is either. <laughs> um, okay, this knowledge is not going anywhere very good, but... But what would happen would be a Sears Christmas wish book would be filled with pictures of gifts and and before there was internet what you would do this thing would show up at your door and you would go through it and you would I would circle and I would check mark and I would highlight and I'd put like this one mom first this one second and I would go through the Christmas wish book looking for what um, gifts I was hoping to get and by the time I'd finished with I'd go back through it again back through it again and by the end of it i literally had everything circled because I. I knew that if I could just get every toy and every gift that was in the Christmas wish book, then my life would be complete. Everything, everybody would want to be me. All the girls would want to hang out with me because of the special toys that I got on Christmas. And what would happen is that your parents would look into the catalog and see the code, and they would put it on the envelope, and they would tally up how much it costs. And then you'd, you'd put a check in it, and you'd send it in the mail. It's not like click. And it's, it was, there was no Sears Prime okay? There was no Sears Prime. Like you had to do your Christmas shopping like in the beginning of November or October, even from like the, the pre-years catalog to get your gifts in time, okay? And you would put it in the mail, and you would send it off, and two to three weeks later, you would go to pick up boxes at your neighborhood Sears store. I loved it. But as I got a little bit older, I realized that Christmas, as much as it was brought joy, it seemed a little upside down. And we're in this series for the next three weeks called "Upside Down Christmas," and it's this reality that lots of the feelings and emotions that we're supposed to feel during Christmas is actually what not what we feel at all. And I talked a little bit about it, uh, pre pre and the Jackson singing and leading us into to worship. But we, we, we sing songs like Joy to the World, but we live in a society that's more lonely than ever. We, we go to uh, maybe West Ed or South Common and, and hear songs in, coming over the loudspeaker in stores like uh, about peace on earth. And we get in our cars and we drive out and somebody cuts us off in traffic and we give them the finger. And I don't know how peaceful that is. Or it's a time that we, we, we hope that we celebrate family a little bit. But I know so many of my friends that they actually pick up a second job just to pay down credit card debt from the debt that they accumulate to try to make their family happy. When, when sometimes all that the kids want is extra time with mom or dad. But we, we buy gifts from the Christmas wish book, Amazon, to help our families have a better Christmas experience. Christmas is actually a time where we celebrate the birth of Jesus. It's a time that we celebrate that heaven actually came to earth to take on human form, to eventually be, be the savior, uh, savior of, our, of the world, savior of humanity. And he came, and, and over the next three weeks, we're going to look a little bit into the life of Jesus And how he led and how he served seemed a little bit upside down to the way that I probably would lead or the way that you would probably serve. Lots of times in in our leadership world, in our society, it's like the higher you get, the less you have to do. But Jesus demonstrated that the, the king of kings came to serve the world came to wash people's feet. And I hope that as we explore Jesus a little bit more in the next three weeks and explore his personality, that we would fall in love with the person of Jesus more than we've ever had before. Jesus came as a baby. He lived for 33 years before he, he was crucified. But for the first 30 years of his life, we, if you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is, which is at the latter part of the Bible, if, if it's completely new to you, the Bible is actually split up in what they, what they call the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, the New Testament is about two-thirds of the way through, and it starts off with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's, it's three accounts from different individuals um, telling mostly about the story and life of Jesus. Um, if you've never read the Bible before, that is an amazing place to start. Guess what? If you start reading about Jesus, that's, that's, that's a good spot to start. That's a great place, especially Christmas time. Jesus is the reason for the season. And if you don't have a Bible today, we'd love to—four people believe that. Well, maybe that was four hands. Two people believe that. Um, if you don't have a Bible, though, we, we would love to give you a Bible. If you just uh, come to our guest center after the service, we have Bibles there. And they actually start—the ones that we give out actually start right at Matthew. But for 30 years of Jesus' life, we know very little about it. We've, we read some, some exits, but all of a sudden, when, when Jesus turns 30, and he's baptized, and, and his earthly ministry starts, we start reading story after story after story, and miracle after miracle. And the more that I read about Jesus, the more that I realized that I don't know as much about him as I thought I knew, and about a month and a half ago, when we decided to to do this series called "Upside Down Christmas," I was like, "Well, I gotta, I gotta dig into this person of Jesus." I've, I've been following Jesus, and I've been a Christian for a long time. You, I would hope to think that I knew him in a little bit, but as I started to uncover more and more about his personality, I realized that, man. I need to fall in love with Jesus all over again. And then I came to realize that, you know what? Falling in love with Jesus is actually a daily decision that we have to make and say, God, I want to fall in love with you more today than I did yesterday. I want to fall in love with you more. It's almost like a marriage relationship, right? If we just get married and we do nothing about that marriage for the rest of our lives, then it's, it's going to be a pretty stale relationship. But daily we have to make the choice to make today better than yesterday, and tomorrow better than today, and it's the same thing in our relationship with Jesus. That we wake up and say, "God, help me understand. Help me know you more today, never before." But so for three years of His life, from thirty to thirty-three, we read all these stories about Jesus feeding the five thousand with with minimal food, walking on water. Jesus came as a baby, and, and this Christmas season is a time that we that we remember in our society that he came and i heard this thing this past week would 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 jesus be offended if we call him happy holiday happy holidays i'm not sure if he would we want to keep christ in christmas but jesus wasn't wasn't focused on himself he was more focused on peace on earth than about jesus himself And sometimes we we debate things that don't really need room to debate, and actually creates this negative negative aroma around Christians. So I just encourage us that even as other people are like debating stuff on social media, we should just keep our mouths shut. Um, And because. Because when, when we get Christians debating against Christians and Christians debating against other Christians and churches against churches, what happens is it creates this unity and, and the world in which we're trying to reach doesn't want any part of that. Because why would, if a church divided against its church will, will fail, will not prosper. But if we can, if we can uh, come into a place where we're in unity with each other, unity is not uniformity. We can think different, we can be different, but we have to keep the same reason the reason. Jesus, in in, and throughout history, was a pretty significant person. His life, his birth, split time, which is insane. There's no other human in history who's who's created such a wake in, in human history than Jesus himself. Still, twenty years or two thousand years after his his is ascend, uh, uh, ascending into heaven, there's still thousands of people converting to Christianity every day. And I look at I look at this and, and marvel at it because it's it's a God that I serve. But marvel, one thing that I seen was so upside down when I read through the Gospels is who Jesus entrusted to the advancement of the gospel after he left. And it seems so upside down to me that the 12 people that Jesus picked as his 12 disciples, his 12 closest friends, and as I was was reading through it, I reflected on the message last week, the 12 people that Jesus chose to be in his pack, the 12 people that Jesus chose to run with, seems so odd to me. Last week we talked about that we need to be in relationship. I, I shared a, a message about Heart for the House and talked about how we as as individuals, as we as, as Christians, as, as, as people, there's we, people that come in that are lonely all the time, but we're looking for connection, looking for relationships. And we launched this thing called Pack Parties. And our first Pack Party is tonight. And if you haven't, uh, if you haven't signed up for Pack Parties, uh, I encourage you to jump online go to Connect and uh, go to our pack parties. We have uh, four uh, different pack parties you can be a part of. But Jesus chose 12 people to be close to his pack. He demonstrated for us, again, that it's it's not good for us just to be alone. And he demonstrated that that we're better together. But the 12 people that Jesus chose to run with, to be in his pack, seem so upside down to me. If you read through it, it actually the first reading will come uh, in... Matthew four eighteen to 22, and we read Jesus, Jesus uh, calling his first disciples. And this is what it says. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they, fi- uh, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people." Some versions say, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come To They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. This story I find fascinating. I grew up in Elkport, Newfoundland, a town of 500 on a good day. And if you know anything about Newfoundland, it's an island and it was founded because of the fishing industry. And I grew up on a literally, literally. There's there's one road going through our community, and it just it weaved the coastline. There was there was there was no rhyme or reason for the way that they put the road through our community. But literally every about every kilometer there was a dock. Uh, we would call them wharfs, or if you're really new, you call them wharf. Um, and the main industry in my community was fishing. And I remember waking up and, and driving to school, and I would see fishermen uh, out early, out uh, lobster, pulling up their lobster pots and out fishing for cod. And, and it was an honorable living. But if I had to be honest and I was to pick 12 people to be my best friends for, for my lifetime, if I had to pick 12 people to carry on my legacy, I don't think I would have picked any of the fishermen. And we, we read this story, it was an honorable living and I respected them and, and many of them had to drop out of school to pay for, for bills for their mom and dad at a young, young age. And we read this story about, about Jesus picking his disciples and one of the main people that he decided to say, come follow me, was fishermen. And I, I sort of reflect on that, I put myself in there and say, man, I wouldn't pick fishermen. Fishermen. Like I said, they probably dropped out of school early. Their, their education, they probably didn't have a lot. They were probably very intelligent, very smart, but they never had the opportunity because at 12 years old, they had to, to give up schooling and to start going helping their dad in the family industry to put food on the table. But then on top of it, I'm not sure how much fishing you've done but the fishermen that I used to grow up with smell. They stink. They smell like fish. And if there's any fishermen listening online or if there's any fishermen here, I, I apologize. But I don't like the smell of fish. There's, this, there's a Newfie tradition that at uh, Christmas Eve that you, you cook salt fish. You cook fish in your house and you do these things called fisherman's brews. And I literally hate the smell of it because it lingers and it stays. on you wake up the next morning after three showers and you still sp- seem to smell like fish. And, but the thing is that Jesus picks fishermen. I can only imagine. I, I, I don't know what he was thinking, honestly. I, like Jesus, why would you pick people that smell like that? That will repel people, not draw people to you. But then if you read again, you actually see a, he picked a guy by the name of Matthew. He said, come follow me and I'll make you a fishers and men. Picked a guy by the name of Matthew. as was a tax collector. Now tax collectors... Um, might be valuable because they were probably among among the wealthy in society. But the way that they made wealth was very dishonest. They would cheat and scam people. And lots of times tax collectors were considered to uh, to, to be people that sort of disowned their own people to go and serve as a tax collector. And they would cheat their friends and their family out of money. And Jesus comes to Matthew, says, come be one of my close friends, be, be in my pack. And as I was reading and reflecting on how Jesus picked his disciples, I kept coming back to a verse that we find in Isaiah and it says this in Isaiah 55 and eight. It says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. I think Jesus is trying to teach us something here, that who you are today is not who he's making you tomorrow, and that he might call and say, follow me today, and you might feel like I got nothing, I've, I've, I've cheated people out of money, I've, 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 uh, I, I smell, I'm, I'm dirty, but Jesus don't see you today, he sees where he wants you to be tomorrow, and he says, come and follow me, and I, get this, I will make you. So many times I think that we try to clean ourselves up and we try to make ourselves we try to get our finances in order, we try to get our marriages in order, we try to get everything in order. We say at that time I'll follow Jesus, but but if you if you actually look at the disciples, you look at a guy by the name of Peter and all and Peter's name actually means the rock. But if you look throughout the gospels, Peter was anything but stable. He was a little bit of a loose cannon. But if you look into the early church in Acts, you actually find that Peter is a pillar in the church. Peter is a pillar in the early church that people go to him for advice. People go to him when they have, when they have questions and issues. So Jesus picked Peter not on what he seen that day, but what he knew he would see in his future. If there's anything I've learned in the last ten years in uh, pastoral ministry, is that God calls the unqualified. God calls individuals. He says, "I I got nothing. I, I, I just feel like a complete failure." You might remember me telling a little bit of a story of when I graduated, well, semi-graduated high school. I finished high school. I never ever actually graduated. Stay in school, though, okay? Stay in school. It's a good thing. I just didn't have the credits to graduate. And I went back and rewrote my exams and failed them again. And fast forward a few years, I I enrolled into Bible college. I didn't think I was going to get in, but they accepted me. And I remember receiving my acceptance letter and praying to God. I was like, God, I'm, my reading and writing is not good. And at the time, I was reading and writing at a grade six level. And knowing, uh, knowing a little bit about Bible college, my, my maths and sciences and biologies, they were decent. But my, my writing skills and my reading skills were Horrible. And I, I knew anything about Bible college was like, they don't care about four plus four. It's like, I know that answer, but I don't know where to put a period. I don't know where to put a comma. I don't know how to do any notes on the bottom to, to give people credit for the work. And I remember praying to God. I was like, God, if you want me to do this, if you want me to go to Bible college, if you, want, you actually want this to happen, you're going to have to teach me how to read and you're going to have to teach me how to write. Man, did I feel unqualified? Did I feel in the deep water and, and just trying to stay afloat? And I remember, fast forward four years from that point, and I remember walking across the stage uh, of, my, of, Bob, of my Bible college graduation, knowing that I was graduate which is a miracle in itself. And I remember receiving these red ropes that you would put around your neck, and it represented graduated with honors. And I'm like, how is this even possible that, that I have these, these red ropes that hang around my neck saying that you, you obtained a certain GPA that through I'm like, four years ago, God, I couldn't read. Like I would have to get a picture Bible. It had to be like the Sears Christmas. That's why I like the Christmas wish book so much because it's all pictures. Okay? But I remember walking across the stage and still feeling like I was inadequate. And there's still many days I go that almost every Sunday I stand up here. I still feel unqualified. I remember walking across the stage though to go shake hands with with the president of the college, and on my way I was battling these, this idea that you know what, Lauren, you're still you're still worthless. You're you're still stupid. You're you're still not not able to read, and you're. And I remember shaking the president's hand, and at that very moment, I felt this, like, this burden just break. This, these changes fall off me that God says, Lauren, let it go. You're not stupid. I created you, and you know what? I will make you if you follow me. And I think that's a word for us today that, that, that sometimes we will try to make ourselves. When God says, no, 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 you got it all wrong. All you got to do is follow me, and I will make you. See, society might have given up on you. Your families might have given up on you. Your children might have given up on you. You might have even given up on yourself. But can I tell you one person that's not going to give up on you, and that's God himself. Because I guarantee you that if, if, if Jesus was to walk in here, he would, he would, he would favor to the, those that feel unqualified, those that have nothing to offer, those that might even smell, those that might, might feel like, man, I got nothing to give. Jesus said, come on. Follow me. Continuing to look at the disciples, I found, found that story really, like I said, upside down. It's not who I would have picked. I wouldn't have picked fishermen and tax collectors. I know that doesn't make me much like Jesus, but that's just the reality of, I would probably, if I was to pick a basketball team, I wouldn't pick the short before I'd pick the tall. Just, that's just the reality of it. But it seems like Jesus says, no, 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 I'll, you're willing, you're, yeah, come on. You know, you're, you're saying, I'll follow? All right, I'll make you. One of the coolest things, I used to coach basketball when I was uh, just fresh out of high school. And it was so cool seeing somebody that had a passion for it but couldn't dribble a basketball. And as you spent time with them, you've you seen potential. You've seen, you seen where you want them to be in the future. But you, you don't just see where they are today. And what happens? You see them start to develop, and all of a sudden, they not not are only. They might be shorter, they might be small, they might feel unqualified, but they have become one of your best players. And what, what's really cool is that Jesus entrusted these twelve individuals, fishermen, tax collectors, people we don't even know much about, to, to be commissioned to bring the gospel into the world. And today, there there are millions of people who call themselves Christians, all coming. From the Great Commission, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. Go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We continue looking at the story of the disciples. It's crazy to read... Verse 21 in Matthew, a little further up the shore, he saw two brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. That to me, that, that is actually insane, okay? If I'm a good son, I want to make sure my, my dad is taken care of even if I was to leave the family business and if I played a big part into it, I would wanna make sure like everything was set up for my parents. I wanna make sure they still have food on their table, but Jesus says, leave it and come and follow me and they dropped it and went. Following Jesus is a call to obedience and a willingness to leave and today we're going to have the opportunity, if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus before, to have the opportunity to leave your old lifestyle and to step into a new one, to not to worry about what tomorrow will look like, because Jesus says, "Follow me and I will make you." See, being obedient and willing to follow, don't take talents. It doesn't take money. It doesn't take smelling good. Doesn't, you don't even need to bring the Christmas wish book. All you need to do is bring yourself and say, God, here I am, willing to follow you. And God says, okay, now, again, I will make you. We titled this message today, I will make you. Because at any other, if we try to follow anything else, it will not make us. The only person that can make us who we are supposed to be is Jesus himself. When we follow him, we submit our lives completely to him. Maybe this morning you're feeling a little bit unqualified. Can I say welcome to the club? As I was also reading the story, I, I thought about the fact, I was like, I wonder if anybody said that, no, I'm not going to follow. i gotta, I got to go deal with other stuff before, before I actually follow Jesus. And I was reminded again, I looked at Luke 9. And there was an individual who said, well, let me, let me go and, and, and deal with my family and make sure everything's set up. And Jesus says to him, let the dead bury the dead. Jesus is calling us today in this upside down season, in seasons where we might feel that, that I'm not joyful or I'm, 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 I'm not peaceful. It might seem a little upside down, but God is saying, will you be willing to follow me? no matter what your life looks like today. So this morning, I wonder if there's anybody here that have been trying so hard to get their lives in order, to get everything situated before they made a decision to follow Jesus. And I would just want to say that You don't need everything perfect. You don't need everything figured out before we make a decision to follow Jesus. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's podcast. Feel free to like or share it on social media. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes to be sure to never miss a recording. If this ministry has impacted your life in any way, we would love to hear about it. Please share your story with us by sending us an email. At info at mydiscoverychurch.ca. Have a fantastic week.